Howdy, everybody. I'm Robert. <laughs> I Great. got you. We do, we all do. of Ira's papers have spilled <laughs> everywhere, all, all right. over the studio. Right. And do you mind saying that one more time, please? Howdy, everybody. Don't you go, oh, you go no, Robert. Sure, sure. Go and ahead. You wait. don't know your own it. Oh, no, you I'm, go, howdy. Howdy, everybody. Shalom to my main homie, Robert. <laughs> I'm Robert. And I'm Ira. And this is Money Shot. We're not going to be saying that much more, are it's we? Not for long, man. Uh, wow. It's been a little while since we've been in studio. Yes. Our last two podcasts were remotes at yeah. the um, at LA Comic Con. And AFM. And then AFM the previous two weeks. So here we are back in, in your home. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, before we go too far, mm-hmm. we've got a lot to talk about today. But yeah, we, we want to announce what's in store for the episode. So, of course, we're going to talk about a film. This week's film is... A Murder on the Orient Express. Very good. Yes. I I know. And our top five. Is top five murders. Murder. No, we're not not confining this to film, are we? Because I I have a whole Charles Manson (laughs) thing that I want to get into. Uh, yeah, top five movie murders. Movie right? murders. Yeah, I like mm-hmm. that. I do too. That was a good the alliteration. I know that's what you I like. like. I love alliteration. Yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting. We're here in studio and we have no guest. It's just you and me, bud. It's the way it should be. I know. Just back, the this two is back of us. old school, man. Yeah, we've had a lot of guests lately, yeah. and I love our guests. But I think it's really important that you and I sit down, just you and me, and hash a few things out, Ira. It's come to my attention that you're gay, and it's okay. We accept you. Well, but we, you can't be on this podcast anymore because I'm very anti-gay. Oh, but I accept you. But 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 I wait, don't like. Is that you. a contradiction? <laughs> um, All right, I'm out of the closet. <laughs> Put you back in the closet. We have. Uh, we have something to talk about. Now, we've discussed the naming of this program for a little while, right? I mean, yeah. a few, about a month ago, we were discussing possible names and whether we should, should change our name, rebrand ourselves, so to speak. And the podcast has grown considerably. Uh, we've gained more and more listeners. And, um, and it's interesting because we're starting to get to this point where the, the podcast, the format, I think, is starting to work. Right, and we've it's taken some trial and error. You would agree with that, wouldn't you? Mainly because of my ditties. But go ahead. Yeah, I think yeah. it's it's yeah. the ditty work yeah. that you've yeah. done, yeah. the damn ditty work. <laughs> Do what ditty? <laughs> uh, and and as we're moving forward, you know, if we if we want to think about getting sponsorship and things like that, um, the the name of the podcast certainly is something that we've been talking about for a while. But there's also something that Ira and I have discussed off air that I think needs to be brought up as well. You know, when you look at all of the movie review podcasts that are out there, most of them center on the same kinds of films. Are, are you listening? You're not even listening. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> so most of them center on the same films. If you go back and you look at them, um, you know, we, we never reviewed, say, you know, the Lego Ninjago movie, but, you know, we did review The Foreigner, and somebody else might have reviewed Lego Ninjago, but they also reviewed The Foreigner, and then they might have, you know, we might have reviewed... Murder on the Orient Express, whereas they reviewed Thor Ragnarok. It's it's kind of basically just a handful of these movies, the, the studio films that are out, and most movie review film podcasts are reviewing those same movies over and over and over again. There's right. a lot of crossover with other podcasts. And one of the things that we discovered when we released our film is that a lot of other podcasts weren't interested in reviewing our film because it was independent, because it didn't reach a, right. a wider audience. And I feel like, um, why not? 
And if no one else is going to do it, maybe we should do that. Maybe we should really start focusing on independent film. And that was our original discussion, is only focusing on independent film and trying to bring in more of the filmmakers who make those films. But as we were talking, we also kind of felt like, you know, that that limits us to not being able to go see more uh, you know, mainstream movies, or at least you know, studio films, <clears throat> and uh, uh, and I think Mother is a really good example of that. Mother uh, is a mainstream film that I would really like to talk about on the podcast. It, it lends itself to a lot of what am I trying to say? Um, it lends itself to a lot of um, discussion, controversy. Yeah, controversy, and I think the podcast needs that. And sometimes you do want to, and I think that's how people view movies in general, right? I mean, no one just watches Independent or just Hollywood. You kind of have a blend of things, at least I do, and I think you do as well, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think that's um, that's the avenue that the podcast is going to go, is that we're going to try to focus a little bit more on independent films and also on mainstream. But we needed to find some sort of common link between the two worlds, what linked them. And one of the things that Ira and I have both really been drawn to is upsetting the norm would you agree with that Mm -hmm. yeah so something that's a little bit different something that's that spins the uh the the traditional storytelling on its head so we with with the emotional swell hollywood ending that we get at the end which robert and i have always had a hard time with right Uh, which isn't to say that all happy endings uh were against but something that's more real something that's more yeah not the traditional uh you know Traditional storytelling as we know it. Something that's different and off the beaten path. Again, Mother, I think, is a really good example of that. It's, it's a, uh, an example of weird storytelling. That, that you, it's not its traditional three-act structure, I wouldn't say. Or if it is, it's kind of disguised in a, in a very weird kind of spiral-esque uh, formula. Anyway, long story short is I think we're going to start focusing on films that are kind of against the system, anti-system. And so we're going to rechristen this podcast as... Anti-Wave. Anti-Wave. Anti-Wave podcast. That's our new format and that's our new name. Yes. The Anti-Wave podcast. Uh, We have antiwavepodcast.com. So this podcast that you're listening to will be the last moneyshotpodcast.com. But fear not, it's only a change of name. This is like when your best friend... Uh, you know, uh, Sam in high school changed her name to Samantha and she no longer wanted to go by Sam. And you're kind of going, yeah, but I like you as Sam. Uh, it's still the same person. Yeah. We're just going to be a little more professional. Yeah, it's still her. But yeah, it's we're still we're still going to make the same racist comments. Cool. We're still going to say the same offensive shit. Right. So and we'll still have your ditties, maybe. We'll Do what ditty? <laughs> we'll see if we can't get rid of those when we move yeah, over. I know, to I know that's your goal. <laughs> Um, I'm just going to keep rechristening this podcast until we uh, until I get rid of the ditties. <laughs> um, but I think that's the avenue that we're going to go. And I think it symbolizes uh, the change in direction. One of the problems that we've had on this podcast is that we keep forgetting I to know. find our money shots. I know. I wanted to acknowledge that point, Robert, that I like the name Money Shot. And it certainly worked for, for a while. And then we were both questioning it. And I think something that was quite telling was the fact that often we forget to include it in the very film that we were critiquing in that podcast uh, example being uh, only the brave. Right. And we did a wonderful critique of it. We liked the movie a lot. And I remember I texted you the next morning. Did we even do money? No, we didn't. The fact that we forgot to do it was it's forced when we do it. It's not an organic flow. And I think that is also a, a signal that it's not necessarily working. Yeah. And, and so I think one of the things that will stay are money shots. I think that's one of the things that should stay in the Anti-Wave uh, podcast is 
finding the money shot in the film. But I, we're not going to call this podcast money shot. Right, right. Now, this becomes the tricky part. Because if you're listening to this podcast, that means right now, if you're listening on, on Tuesday, the day this podcast is released, you're listening because you subscribe to the Money Shot podcast uh, stream. So either you're listening through our website, you're listening through iTunes, Stitcher, whatever way that you're listening to this podcast, you've subscribed. Okay. We have set it up. We believe. Is this going to work? I, I believe this is going to work. Where it's just going to change in your uh, in your app. Your your streaming link should automatically be updated, and you don't have to do anything. Everything should just change for you. But if we lose you, this is where you have to find us. Ref- find us. You've if got you, to find us. If you're listening to this podcast, we want you to come back. We want to try to continue the you know continue the love, continue the share, and we know that our numbers are probably going to take a big hit here. But we felt like this is probably the better time to do it. Let's do it early rather than three or four years down the line. And then we're stuck with you know, being called Sam. How forever. can they find us? Well, you can... went back to being called Sam and Samantha. I love the way you went back full circle, yeah. back to your analogy. That's that's really tight. Thanks, man. Yeah. Sam is really tight. I knew you were going to say that. I think I set you up to say that. But right. how do they find us? They can find us. You can find us, dear listeners, yeah. by, uh, you know, first of all, going to antiwavepodcast.com. This is a dot .com. Yes. Right, okay. And we got the dot .com. We don't have to How do about the that? dot .net. Not, no more net. Antiwave. We're flying without a net. Now, if you're wondering, is that anti-wave or antiwave? Both. We have them both. So you can go to either one. Wow. It'll take you to the right place. Wow. Uh, so antiwavepodcast.com is going to be the new website. You can also just subscribe to us through uh, iTunes. Now, look, it, there might, because I'm, I'm going to publish this podcast under Money Shot, and hopefully everything will, will segue over. There's going to be a little bit of, of uh, bumpy gap room time here, but hopefully we'll figure all this out and we'll just we'll smoothly transition with a little bit of luck. So we'll find out. Uh, you can also find us through Stitcher and through Google Play, things like that. It might take a week or two, so if, if we're losing you, hopefully you'll come back to us. Hopefully you enjoy the program. Hopefully... This uh, is something that you want to continue, and we hope to continue with you. But. So if it's not an organic fix, if it, the rechanneling is not automatic and organic, they could still yes. find us. I hope. I hope that in two weeks we don't have three listeners. Yeah, and what's also interesting is that we should point out, this is episode 50. So we did 50 episodes, yeah. How about that? even 50, yeah. as Money Shot podcast. Yeah. 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 Now, you didn't do the first four. No, I didn't. Who did, Robert? <laughs> All yeah. Rocio. Yeah, let's talk about... No, no, okay, yeah. Well, I mean, it, and that's also one. She of the, was pretty crappy in this. <laughs> what? Well, she was. Yeah, yeah. She's horrible. So if, I listened to. Them. If you're finding us for the first time on Antiwave and listening to this, maybe you don't want to go back all the way. <laughs> uh, some of the earlier episodes might be harder to listen to. But than all the of the recent ones. Hopefully, all of those previous episodes, all fifty, will be archived yes. on that same. And that's the so, the other plan is that we're going to try to keep all of these episodes still available. So if you haven't listened to a, an episode on a film because you hadn't seen the film and then you go watch it and you want to go back and, and see what we said about Only the Brave, we're going to make that available to you. So it uh, And hopefully we'll keep the naming still. The, we're going to keep the numbering consistent. So um, the first episode of Anti-Wave podcast will be episode 51. Right. Uh, however, it's going to... It's the first fifty will be called money money shot, and from that point forward, it'll be called anti wave. This is going to be interesting. 
I can't wait to see what well, happens. Let's see if we pull it off. I've, yeah. If I've done my research right, then I think yeah. I got it smoothly yeah. fixed. You know, and jumping on the heels of what you were saying, Robert, too, that it's not just, it's it, it, we're not doing only independent films. It's not that. They can still be mainstream films. However, movies that are more raw, provocative, less of the Hollywood ending. An example I like to use is, is Woody Allen's Blue Jasmine. Yeah. And that's a perfect example of someone, a main character who does not arc, she does not grow. She spirals to hell and the movie ends. And we, Robert and I have had long, long talks about this. In fact, our film 30 Love yeah. could be an example of that as well. And we want to find movies that are more either honest or raw or just interesting. Just films that are interesting. And that's why we're making this, this shift. Well, I, I think one of the other things that I'm concerned about are some of the movies that are coming up that uh, where, do we, where do we fit them in? Um, the movie, we, we talked about uh, oh, the movie with James Franco about The Room. Mm. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Yeah. No, well, there were actually, weren't there two rooms? The, the movie? The yeah. Room? No, it was Room. Ro- that's and it. The Room. Yeah. Uh, but the, the, the movie about The Room... Uh, man, what's that movie called? Disaster Artist. That's what it's called. That movie's coming out, and I would say that probably fits into our anti-wave idea. It's it's a movie about the making of a bad movie. It's it, I think this is that feels a little odd to me, and something that probably would fit into our anti-wave right. format. The real problem is going to be: Are we really not going to review the new Star Wars film because? That's not anti-wave. Well, that's a good question. I, I think with the template we're setting up, we shouldn't. Yeah. And I, wow. And that wow. really is going to separate the men from the boys because yeah. we've been talking about reviewing that um, you know, uh, e- either on air or at least in private for quite a while. I think some of the other guests that we had on had said, you know, when the new Star Wars film comes out, I'd really like to come back on and talk about it. Gulp. Yeah. So that that could <laughs> well, really I'll tell be you, Robert. At the very least, we would certainly include it as part of our weekend review. Yes. That we'd acknowledge it that way, if it's not the primary film we're. Talking oh, you plan about. on seeing it? <laughs> so I think that's uh, there what's, are. What's it called again? <laughs> it's it, it's called Thirty Love. Ah. <laughs> no, uh, it, the new Star Wars film I don't think is going to be with within the the purview of this. Right podcast i i don't think it fits so one of the other things i want to mention is that the purpose that we're trying to the reason why we're trying to do this is also to to get our audience to go see some of these films that they might not otherwise have seen uh the distribution channels are starting to change you can now go to amazon and netflix and google play and and youtube rentals and find a lot of films that you might not otherwise have ever been able to see the studios are no longer controlling the means of distribution, which is the last arm of making a film that they really held control over. It used to be you would make an independent film and then sell it to a studio who would release it. And now even that's not needed. Now there are even ways that you can self-distribute your film and get it out there for people to watch. So I, I, what I'm seeing is is this whole change in filmmaking, and I think we as podcasters should probably embrace it and allow the audience to explore new ways to d- find films and really bring in some of the filmmakers who talk about their craft. And and uh, we, we're not going to get Tom Cruise to come in and talk about American Made, and uh, and that's okay. Uh, he's got so many other platforms 
available to him. He doesn't. He's he does. waiting out in front in the car. You know, but yeah, but I to be fair, him. he's waiting out front for heroin, and oh. that's you know, that's what he's doing out there. He's not waiting for us. Uh, but I think that I think that would be more interesting for listeners, anyways, to hear some of the the stories of of people firsthand who have made their own films. Absolutely. And another point, too, I want to mention about why we're doing this change is for marketing purposes. Robert, as you well know, there's a proliferation of, of podcasts where they critique films. Right. There's hundreds and hundreds of them. And I think this way... But we'll only have one more... is good. <laughs> oh, it's not ours. Our, uh, but I think this way we'll have more of a target uh, audience, yeah. a, a more specialized podcast. Niche. That's the word. That's the word. So I think for a lot of reasons, we're definitely doing the right thing. Yeah. So... I, and also, I just want to reiterate, I, I do want to focus on independent cinema, but not only independent right, cinema. Right, And and so we're going to keep it kind of weird. We'll as keep it, it kind be. of anti-wave. Yeah. Anti-wave. Yeah. Either with or without the dash. Either with or without. But I think stylistically, when you see it written, it should have the dash. It looks better that way. Or if it's to be one word, we need to have a capital W in the middle. Hmm. I've seen it that way, too. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I still like the dash. There's a lot of stylistic work I got to do. Yeah. You want to talk about the difference between a dash and a hyphen? An M dash? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Good. All right. Well, there's that. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Until next time. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, there you go. Is there anything else? How how was your week? We covered it. My week was a good week. Yeah. Yeah? It was was a good week. It's good to be back here alone with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where's the cat? She's sleeping in the corner. So now we can do it that if a siren, we hear a siren, I can take off my pants. Now we can do it. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) All right, Uh, what should we do first? Let's talk about, let's do some segments, yeah? Which segment should we do? Man, we got a lot. So it's been so long since we've been in studio, we haven't done all of our regular segments. Right, right. There's Dead Quarter, there's there's mail that we've gotten that we haven't talked about. We do have mail. Uh, we, the weekend review. We can review. What do you What do you feel like? Steer. Steer. Let's do some mail. The mail. All right. You ready? Yeah. Robert and Ira have nothing to fear. It's from our listeners. We want to hear. Help us make our podcast better. We look forward to reading your letter. Okay. So this was uh, a few weeks ago. Right. We received a letter. Uh, this listener says, uh, "I was away last week. Just listened to the podcast." Uh, so I'm writing this a little late. But anyway, here are a few of my favorite foreigners. Now this was from the. The movie The Foreigner with Jackie Chan. Right. And this listener gave us a a bunch of foreigners, but there's a few in particular that I wanted to highlight because I thought these were really good additions. Uh, One of them in particular I thought was really kind of clever was Owen Wilson playing Woody Allen as an American in Paris meeting historical expatriates in Midnight in Paris. That's really interesting. I know. That's out-of-the-box thinking. Actually, that's something you would have come up with. It's different. Because that's so layered in terms of foreigners. Yes. It's... Okay, first of all, it's it's clearly Woody Allen, right? And so there, one could argue it's a foreigner inside <laughs> yeah, Woody yeah, Allen's body. Yeah, that's right. Then you've got an American who we usually wouldn't think of as being the foreigner, but he is a foreigner in Paris. Foreigner, that's right. And then he's going back in time. Time, so there's three levels. There's like all these We have three levels. tiers on why this is definitely a foreigner movie. I think, that, I think that's a really interesting uh, foreigner yeah. take. Yeah. Nice job, listener. Yeah, and the other one too that uh, that this person says says Paul Hogan as the ultimate Australian coming to the United States in Crocodile Dundee. Yeah. Uh, at least in the second half of the movie, it is the first half of his yet to be girlfriend as an American coming to grips with Australia. And yeah, how do we not say uh, a knife? This is a knife. Like that that line is so iconic, and we didn't say that in our whole foreigner yeah podcast yeah. 
these, these are good examples. Yeah, yeah. That, that's we fucked up. No, we fucked up. Yeah. Okay. Good. So thank you, listener, for that. Did he mention it? Oh, he also mentioned ET. That's funny. Okay. He's Did we talk about aliens? What, in that example? No, yeah. in a podcast. I feel like... Uh, it, I, I, I think we did cover... We did. Yeah. I covered... Who did I cover? I covered an alien. I'm trying to remember. Was it Starman? It might have been Starman. I wish I had a list of all of our examples of the oh, films that we included. That'd be for, really nice. Yeah, yeah. You should go back and listen to nah, all the podcasts. Too much work. <laughs> too much work. Who would ever want to do that? <laughs> all right. Let's talk about who died this week. Yeah? Ah, now I say this week, but I think uh, it's been a little while since we've done a dead corner, so maybe more than a more than a handful of people are dead. And now the moment we have to say the following people passed away. Got to tell you, unfortunately, we must. The following people have turned to dust. All right, who's dead? Okay, yes, because of our previous two podcasts being remotes, uh, the pod the dead corner wasn't working in that scene. It wasn't an organic fit, so we want to make up for it. And we do have some people we want to acknowledge. Uh, the following people have passed away in the last three weeks. We, uh, we lost Dennis Banks, 80 years old, an American activist actor who was in The Last of the Mohegans and uh, Complications. I'm sorry, The Last of the what? Uh, Mohegans. Oh, yeah. it really what? sounded like you said Mohegans. Mo- with a G? Yeah. Mohegans. 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 Okay. Mohegans. Just curious. Yes. Yeah, all right. Also, Brad. Brad. Uh, oh, Brad's uh, dad? Yeah, Brad was only 34. Mr. Brad. Pitt. Oh. Buffonada, American actor who was in a Cinderella story, suicide by jumping. He was also in co ed. Just jumping up and down? Just, just, just so happy that he was. I didn't know that would kill you. Yeah, well. So, you know. I, not to make light of the, the dead here, but jumping. Suicide well, by jumping? Yeah. Do you have any other information about that? No. 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 American actor. Yeah. Jumping off a bridge, I assume? Or, or maybe the 34th floor of the, you know, the tall building. I don't know. 34 is a pretty specific number. I know. All right. Yeah. I pushed him. <laughs> That's not suicide, my friend. That's homicide. You're right. You're right. Homicide. Hom- which kind of brings up our top five for today about murder. Mm. And it brings up the fact that you came out of the closet. Yeah. All right, what else you got? <laughs> Rosemary Leach, 81, an English actress. She was in a room with a view, uh, Road to Freedom, uh, the, the, uh, the, the Plague Dogs. Also, we lost Walter LaSalle, 90 years old, a German-born. He was a British-Greek cinematographer. British-Greek? He did Zor- yeah, yeah, and he did Zorba, Zorba the Greek. And he also was an actor in Before Midnight by uh, Link. Uh, Linklater. And, uh, he did, did you see those movies? Yeah, the I saw series? I saw Before Midnight. Zorba the Greek? Which one? No, the Before series. Before Midnight. Before you Sunset. did, didn't you? Oh, I love no. those. I think those films are great. Yeah. 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 So he was in that as an actor. I want to say that um, Walter did win the, uh, the Oscar for cinematography. Black and White, Robert. That was the time that they had two Oscars for cinematography, color and black and white. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And years later, they combined them into one. Uh, Zorba the Greek, 19, uh, 1964. Fats Domino. We don't really associate him with film. However, he was in a number of movies, 89 years old, obviously known for Ain't That Ain't That a Shame. And, I think it's Blueberry Hill that was his more popular. Uh, I think? found my thrill. Yeah. On, on Strawberry Hill. <laughs> <laughs> Blueberry. Um, Blueberry. When I texted yeah. Ira to tell him that yeah, Pat Domino yeah. died, he yeah. said, I found my thrill on Strawberry Hill. And you actually thought I was being funny, but I actually thought, wait a minute, why did I write that? And I corrected <laughs> it. You thought, yeah, I know. Uh, he was in movies such as Shake, Rattle, and Roll, and the girl can't help it. Um, in movies as himself, mm. as himself playing the piano, but we did lose Fats Domino, who was extremely influential and significant in early music history. The right. Beatles and so on. 
credit him with helping mold their voice. Oh, that was well said. Yeah. With helping them mold their voice. Oh, damn. Sometimes I sound articulate. You should be on the radio. Sometimes. Thank you. Thank you. Robert. Robert. Um, how did, I'm dead? No, the other Robert. Oh. Gil- De Niro's dead? No, the other Robert. Oh, Duvall's Redford, dead? Redford. Redford. <laughs> I want to pronounce Robert's last name properly. Gil- the, you know, the black dude who was in Phantom. <laughs> Robert, the black dude who's in Phantom. That's all you, buddy. This is yeah. your field. Do you know how to pronounce his last name? Gilman, 89 years old. Oh, wait, hold on. Try yeah. it. You got it. Well, yeah, I know. Uh, Gillamay? Gillamay. <laughs> I love watching you struggle. American actor and uh, and also singer. And we associate him with TV. He won um, a number of Emmys. Um, but as far as film, he was in, in Phantom of the Opera. He was in Michael Crawford. He was in The Big Fish and so on. And he was in Benson. That was his TV show that he was mostly... Right. Uh, known for My, wait you, you mean he replaced Michael Crawford in yeah you're right family opera oh what did I say he you was in he was in well he might have he might have we don't know he replaced Michael Crawford who made that role and then here in L A how did he Robert die took over uh, took over it and um, Robert the black guy that died <laughs> I don't know but he was eighty nine so maybe it was just time uh, he died from um, uh, what did he die from prostate prostate cancer prostate cancer yeah. Man, that yeah. kills everybody. It does. Do you know, and this is really true, that you've got to ejaculate. And if you ejaculate a lot, you won't get that. At least that's what I tell all my women. <laughs> Ira, how, are you, how do you keep so young, yeah, girl? I, I jerk yeah, off Let me just come on your face and I'll live forever. <laughs> that's your fountain of But youth. seriously, that has gone around for a long time. A lot of men have used that as an excuse. No, it's good for me, honey. It really is. Open your mouth. <laughs> to come in her mouth that yeah, has it's something gotta, to do with it, it? Has to be in her mouth. I don't want to yeah. spill it everywhere it has to be in her mouth you have to be the receptacle no, in order for it to work it's got to go into her yeah. Yeah. yeah that's what I thought so uh, but prostate cancer if you get that that's like a I mean that's a death it, that's sentence that's it it's a death sentence right I mean you you have like six months and then you're yeah. dead it's, it's fast yeah hmm. yeah yep yep okay uh, Jack Bannon 77 years old American actor we associate him a lot with TV. He was in Lou Grant. He was in Petticoat Junction. But he was in the movie Little Big Man oh, with I like Dustin Hoffman. I like that film a lot. I yeah. don't think we've ever spoken about that. Uh, Jack Bannon at 77. And also, I want to mention a British costume designer. Robert, he designed the costume for Star Wars, Alien, Gandhi. Uh, he won an Oscar. I should say his name, shouldn't I? John Molo, M-O-L-L-O, 86 years old. He got the Oscar in 1977 and 1982. Look at these films he was involved with. Those are some biggies. Yeah, those are some biggies. So we lost him as well. And also rounding up with the most recent list of Dead Corner, those who passed away include the following. William Fry, 96, an American producer. He did the airport movies, 1975 and Airport 77. I heard he molested a bunch of people. Everyone else did. I know. Yeah, yeah. And Raise the Titanic. Uh, a German actress, uh, Karen Dorr, 79 years old. She was in You Only Live Twice, and she was also in Alfred Hitchcock's Topaz. Uh, we lost... Did Jeff- you like Topaz? Yes, you saw it, right? I did see yeah, it. Yeah, it's an early Hitchcock movie. You liked it? It wasn't my Wait, favorite. Not was. your favorite one. No. 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 Well, yeah, because of Karen? Yeah, I couldn't stand her. Yeah, I, was, I kept hoping right. she would die. And thankfully, <laughs> and this week I finally got my wish. finally came true. No, uh, it, it just wasn't... Uh, Topaz and uh, Frenzy are two, oh, fr- two of the films I'm like, this this isn't working. No. 
No. It, it's kind of weird. Hitchcock did so many films, and in a lot of ways, he's kind of like Woody Allen. If you look at Woody Allen's films, some of them are great. Some of them are brilliant. And you watch other ones, and you're going, dude, what the fuck are you doing? This is, this is dog shit. And Hitchcock had kind of the same thing. And we regard Hitchcock as being one of the greatest filmmakers in history but some of his films kind of sucked. Family Plot, I think, was yeah. his last movie, yeah. and I didn't think that was particularly satisfying. Yeah. You know, you know, I went to a screening of that at the Writers Guild, and then we went to the L.A. Times. It was the outstanding English teachers. They picked one English teacher from every high school in L.A. They picked me at that time, go figure. And we went to a seminar where he spoke in the L.A. Times Auditorium, and we all saw that film, Family Plot, and I had this feeling that what a mediocre movie, but it was still Alfred talking to us. So it was a great moment, too. And somebody in the audience raised his hand. He said, what's the next idea for your, your next movie? And that droll delivery, I he said. I think I'll die. He actually, he actually said, my next movie will be about killing an English teacher, which was very funny because the room was packed with English teachers. Just thought I'd He knew should. his audience, didn't yeah, he? audience analysis, huh? I, mean, I, I think part of the credit that he gets of being so great has to do with his TV show. Would you agree with that? I love that show, yeah. Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Those were smart, witty with a twist, if you had well to, photographed, if you had black to and put white. them back, uh, like uh, head to head, would you give the nod to Alfred Hitchcock Presents or Twilight Zone? I still go with Twilight Zone. All okay, right, Twilight Zone or Outer, Outer Limits? Lim- I'm, okay, I'm going to rank them like this: Twilight Zone, Outer Limits is a real tight second, and then Alfred Hitchcock Presents. That's my ranking of those wow, three. Wow, interesting. Yeah, do you agree? I don't know that I could that I know enough Outer Limits stories. I think I've seen a couple, but I can't remember them very well. Um, We're talking about the original one, yeah, black of course, and white. Of course, of course. Cinematography, Conrad Hall. Conrad Hall, important cinematography. He for shot what? Most for of Twilight them. Zone? Yeah. Uh, for the Outer Limits. Oh, okay. He shot those black and white Outer Limits. I love Conrad yeah. Hall. I didn't yes. know he did those. Yep, he sure did. So he did all of them? Or no, he did a lot of them. them. Okay. A lot of them. Huh. Yep. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember too many Outer Limits stories. Of course, I know most of the... I think I've seen almost every Twilight Zone episode. So I, I know most of the Twilight Zones. It's a cookbook! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My glasses! To serve man. The glasses, that's the Burgess Meredith one. Yeah. I remember watching that one for the first time with my mom and dad on our black and white TV with Burgess Meredith. Perhaps we should set it up that he's the last man. His love of books, his love of books, and he stacks them all. It's the end of the world. Hold on. You're yep. telling the story way out of it. <laughs> well, okay, first. <laughs> you're jumping all around. Well, yeah, but he I'm loves so books. He stacks them. <laughs> it's the end of the world. All right, you do You it. know, you do glasses. <laughs> listeners who don't know what you're talking about. Yes, are, they do. What the Well, fuck? all the listeners know this incredible Burgess. All right. Well, then why are you retelling the story? Well, I'm doing it in a very Ira-esque way. Okay. Say it. All right. So Burgess Meredith stacks books into the world glasses. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> no. Burgess Meredith is obsessed with books, loves books, and uh, I think he works at the library, if I remember. Actually, I think it was a bank. Okay. He was a bank. But he was always getting in trouble for reading and always, like, uh, being kind of reprimanded because he was obsessed with books, and he he made the proclamation that he would just be happy if he just had all this time to read. And so uh, the end of the world happens, and everybody dies. He's the last man alive on Earth, and he goes to the library, stacks up all of these books, and he's so happy, and he's sitting down, he's about to read, and then his glasses fall off, and they break, and he cannot read anymore. Although I always wondered, why don't you just go to some sort of empty eyeglass store and fix your fucking glasses and come back and read? It's a very Robert-esque response to that. I remember seeing it, and I was quite moved by it. I watched it with my mom and dad, and I turned up and said, 
oh my God, he's all by himself. He can't read. And of course, that was titled All the Time in the World. And then that's when they said, shut up, Ira! <laughs> and that's where the beating started. <laughs> we lost Deborah, Deborah Chosnoff, 60 years old. She was a, quite a documentary uh, filmmaker, did a lot with also a political activist about the environment, uh, nuclear weapons, and so on. She died of breast cancer. She won an Oscar. Bread cancer? Breast cancer. She won a bread cancer. That's like when it's like, there's like, no wonder. That's when, Ah! no wonder. Yeah, that's when there's a little, anyway, so yeah, breast cancer. She won an Oscar in 1992. Brad Harris, 84, American actor. He's also a stuntman. We've lost more stuntmen, haven't we? But yeah. he was 84, so assuming he had a good life. Uh, Pirates Oh, he died parachuting. It was a big bungee jump parachute. Is that not oh, No, you're like, making that up. Of course he you're died of like old age or something. Yeah, yeah, okay. Hans, Hans Michael Wemberg, 79, German I'm actors sorry. in Schindler's List. I don't know. Hans. We're just going to call him Hans. He was in Schindler's List. John Hillerman. Do you know who he was? He would have such a familiar face. If you saw his face right now, you'd remember him. 84, American actor. He did do a lot of TV, including Magnum P.I., China. But he's in films like like Chinatown, Blazing Saddles. He won an Emmy in 1987. John Hillerman. Ray Lovelock, 67, Italian actor. So wait, wait, going back to John Hillerman, he died because he got an enemy? No, no. Not an Emmy. He won an Emmy. He got an Emmy and he died. Well, he didn't. No, he got the Emmy in 1987. I, I he just died heard two the, weeks ago. There's so no the link Emmy between, killed him. No, the, what are you doing? All right, all right. Go Google did, his face. How did he die? I don't go know. Go Google his face. Go Google his Google's, face. Just shut up. Go go look him up and look at his face. All right. 67 year old. These people are in their Ray late Lovelock, 60s. Right? Yeah, Italian actors in Fiddler on the Roof. Uh, and we also lost this one. This one really struck a nerve with me. We lost another porn actress, Canadian, oh, only 35 no. years old, we Shyla lo- Styles. I Googled her. Of course Google you her. Did. Google her and take a look at her. She's quite a hottie. She's quite a hottie. So she's dead. And those are the people who actually died in the last two and a half weeks. And there's one other person I do need to mention, but Robert is Googling. All right, I'm going to look up take Shyla a look at Styles. Her. Yeah, on. take a look at her. Now, how did she die? She's 35? I know. It didn't say. It didn't say. What? Yeah, not bad. She- Man, that's... I'd fuck her. <laughs> I'm sure you would. Uh, you'd probably pull back a rotted dick. Uh, um, man, yeah, she's a, she's a hottie. Yeah, she is. Robert. I mean, she, she, she looks exactly like a porn star, right? Yes, that's why I like her. I, I mean, she, you're big boobs, blonde, uh, curvy. Voluptuous. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this one has her as a skeleton like a rotting corpse so mm. that's yeah yeah and we don't know how she died no no i tried to find out i did i don't know if suicide it's probably suicide probably off the 37th floor the tall building 37th so three yeah, it's gone up yeah three, yeah. three stories yeah. taller yeah yeah i'm gonna find out how she died you're working on this aren't yeah. you but while you're doing that i need to mention one more person she Robert. died in her sleep is that right so it says yeah but what does that mean you know what that really suggests sleep is a big killer that suggests pills. Yeah. It suggests pills. The cause of death was unknown. Hmm. 35. Robert. Yeah. I got a biggie for you. Yeah. Kirk Douglas. Kirk Douglas died? He died, yeah. Yeah. No Legend. Way. Legend. Anyway, he's gone. Whatever. Okay, so let's move on. 
But I also want to open it up this particular week in this podcast because sometimes we include this, sometimes we don't. Death of a career. Whoa. Death of a career. Whose career We've lost is a, Yeah, well, whose isn't? Whose isn't is the better question. Kevin Spacey, uh, he's career. I think, I think his career is over. Uh, Louis C.K., why do you think Kevin Spacey's career is over? It's just a gut feeling because so many people are angry at him the way he coupled it with the fact that he's gay. It was coupled, his coming out speech. Coupled what? He coupled the fact that he molested an underage boy. What? And he also used that opportunity to say, I'm gay, coming out of the closet. So, of course, the gay community is livid that they're, he coupled those two points together as if being homosexual means you're promiscuous. There you go. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Something that just occurred to me. Do you think... That he, because he, everyone's known Kevin Spacey is gay. I remember hearing that back in the '90s, and at the time, being like, "Really? Wow, that's that's kind of surprising. I didn't, I didn't picture that." But it's been known he's gay, right? I mean, yeah, but he, he never acknowledged it, right? And even in House of Cards, he has, uh, he plays a bisexual character, uh, really, who's I guess more even gay than he is straight. He seems to have sex with men more than he has sex with his own wife. So it's very clear that he has some um, homoerotic tendencies. Okay, he knows that. He never comes out. But he also knows that he's got this kind of sword past. Do you think that he might have sat on coming out as a... Knowing that the possibility that something could ever be exposed about his, his history, his past, and using that as a trump card? Why would he do that, knowing the public reaction would be so... To... And- to get them to, to focus on another aspect of his I life. see. So it's used as a, as a buffer to get you off of that core point onto the other. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. To, now, I don't know if I believe in what I don't, I'm saying. No. But I, I think it's an interesting idea. Yeah. I think it was just a, a pathetic attempt to acknowledge what he did and he was wrong. And, uh, by the way, I'm gay. But I can appreciate how the gay community was livid that he coupled those two points together as if one is the cause of the other. And you don't think that he's got a career after this? He's one of the few who I think his career is is, is dead. I, look what they did. Look, and we're going to talk about this in a second, but look about this uh, uh, the movie, the feature film, All the Money in the World. Yeah. They've already replaced him, but you mentioned that that was for economic reasons. Yeah, no. Not because of it sh- public... It should be pointed out real fast. We should pause this to say that this past week, we appeared on the Iconoblast podcast, and we talked about this very issue at length, right? So both you and I went on to... Uh, uh, to Coop, who's in in studio a couple weeks ago, we went on their podcast as guests and and spoke about a lot of this stuff. So when you're saying I spoke about it, I spoke about it on their podcast, right? right? Okay, right. So now go ahead and finish your point. Go ahead. Well, that was my point. Go no, on. oh, so that the um, who's the director of that film? All the money in the world. Uh, Scott, who did um, Alien? Um, yeah, the, uh, right. Ridley Scott. Right, Ridley Scott. And they've already brought in Christopher Plummer to. They're reshooting a shitload of that film. Yeah, what, what the comparison that you're talking about, as I said, it, that was an economic decision, as That's opposed to said. we were comparing it to the decision to kick Harvey Weinstein out of the Oscars. Right, and one is economic and the other is emotional. Right, and I can understand the idea of replacing Kevin Spacey in the film because they they don't want to have to deal with the the constant barrage of questions. The backlash. Yeah, the backlash. Right. And right. you know what? Let, there's all these other people who are depending on this film to be a success. Let's get him out of here. He's not a main character. He's a supporting actor. We, he can be replaced. We'll just knock this out real fast. Replace him. Put the film out. 
and uh, and and we can move on with the film as opposed to having to worry about Kevin Spacey's impact on the film. Right, right. Hey, Robert, American Beauty. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, he we all knew, and you know, he hosted the Tonys a few months ago, Kevin Spacey. So, yeah. duh, he was gay. <laughs> Is it how hard is it to make a comeback in Hollywood? I think for some reason, and we've seen it happen with with Mel has been forgiven. Yeah, huge, he's been huge at the forgiven box, at the box office this weekend. Uh, now the critics are not in favor of it, but I think we knew this. Uh, Daddy was it coming right? Daddy, Daddy's Daddy something part two coming home. That, Daddy, yeah, Daddy returns or something. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Daddy returns. This is so not our world. <laughs> Well, it's a movie we've Daddy's never Day. Seen. Yeah, that's it. Coming yeah. home. Yeah. Right? Daddy's okay. Day 2 coming home. Okay. Hollywood has large. He was nominated for an Oscar a few months ago. Yeah. So he's been forgiven. Isn't that interesting? But I am making a prediction that to a large, large extent... Daddy's Kevin, home. Daddy's home. That's okay, what whatever. Kevin, I don't think, will be forgiven. I honestly think that his career will never be the same. Do you agree with that? I think it'll be a while. I think he'll always be stigmatized, but I think Woody Allen, the fact that Woody Allen has come back. But he never went away. That's what I'm saying. He he never really let it impact him. It didn't affect him. Is it affecting his box office numbers? I'm sure. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I I think if you were to ask Woody Allen, would you rather have this happened than not? I don't think he'd say, "Eh, it doesn't matter. I'm sure he'd say, yeah, I would. uh, Are you crazy? Of course, that, that hurt my numbers. But I think ultimately the people who want to go see Woody Allen movies will continue to go see them. And the people who don't won't. Right. Right. But he's still making films yeah. and movies that are getting wonderful reviews. And, and Blue Jasmine, what's her name, was nominated. She won. She won the Oscar for yeah. that. And um, Didn't uh, Ellen Page you know, come out, uh, I think, in the past week or two saying that that was one that of her biggest Louis, regrets? Her regret being? In the Woody Allen film? Well, actually, she came out against... Um, was it with Woody Allen? Yes. Well, she was livid. She yeah. had a, a severe reaction right. to that. Well, she's very embraced by the uh, LGBTQ community. Right, right, right. I know. Yeah. So, at any rate, this also... And then Louis C.K., and he... I was going to say he's not known for movies, but actually he did do that Woody Allen movie also. Yeah. So he also... Now, I'm going to make a prediction about Louis C.K. Um, I think he's going to bounce back. In fact, in some weird, twisted way, this will help his poppy he'll he'll because of who he is and his persona i think that this ultimately will not hinder him i think it will hinder but then it'll bounce i think that's it but it's gonna be a while a lot more than kevin spacey do you agree with that more than kevin spacey because of who he is persona i could also see taking the um the sean connery route and just going you know what Fuck all y'all. I got enough money. I'm just going to go out here and be by myself. I can see him doing that. Yeah. Wow. What a time. And by the way, I should mention that we just went from the dead corner and our tangent of death of a career and what a week it's been. But we also wanted to implement perhaps a new feature, showbiz news. And I think what we're talking about right now is largely showbiz news with uh, especially Kevin being replaced by Christopher in All the Money in the World. I like how you refer to them as their first name. It's the exact opposite of the New York Times, which is like, you know, Mr. Spacey and It's like we know these people, yeah. Kev and... Poor Harvey. (laughs) Harvey! Kev and Chrissy Poo. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's funny. That's funny. Yeah. So that's the dead corner and... um, 
and a little bit of show, news there showbiz, too. Showbiz news. So I coupled the two features. Huh? Hey Robert, yeah. maybe it's time for new Diddy for Showbiz News. I'll get on it. You got one or the other here, bud. <laughs> because either dead corner, you, you don't get that many Diddies. This whole show cannot turn into Diddies. I think we should have our uh, listeners vote. I want to start creating yeah. fake <laughs> accounts. You know, the show is great, but you should lose the Diddies. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the movie, shall we? Well, actually, you're forgetting a movie we can review. Oh, you're right. I know, I know. Good thing I'm here to steer our ship. Yeah, I'm thanks, steering buddy. our ship. Other movies we've seen during the last seven days, some are stinkers, some we want to praise. Some are old, some are new. We now present The Week in Review. You know Robert, why I don't like the ditties? Why? I never get asked to, to read a ditty. Oh, my God, that's it. You feel excluded. Robert, you feel left out. Yeah. You feel like you don't matter. Yeah, that's it. You know what? Yeah. When we get to the top five, you're doing it, babe. You're doing the top five Diddy. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, What have you seen this week? This week, I saw a a, a film that my my fiance and I have, she has not seen. I hadn't seen in a long time. But she asked me if there was a film that, uh, she was a little sick this week. And she asked me, is there a movie that you watch when you get sick? And I said, you know, I don't don't get sick. I, I I never get sick. I said, I know what you're asking. Like the chicken soup movie. You know, what what feels good when you're like, oh, you're all kind of achy and you just want to watch something to relax. And I don't really have the, I never get like that. But I know what you're asking. And I said, the movie for me that, that comes the closest is the Blues Brothers. And I love the Blues Brothers. It's it's just so, uh, there's so much great stuff there and it pays off in a lot of, you know, and all the little setups that it has. And she'd never seen the Blues Brothers. So we sat down and watched the extended version of the Blues Brothers, which has probably 10, 15 extra minutes kind of peppered throughout the whole film. And uh, man, I love that movie. Yeah, yeah. And she kept saying the entire time, even after the first 10 minutes, she was like, this movie must have been really expensive to make. And I just kept thinking, you haven't even seen the end oh, the police cars, chase the yet. Cars. Yeah, yeah. And we were there. She just kept saying, this was so expensive. It holds up, doesn't it? I love it. It holds up. It's yeah. still very funny. Yeah. 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 Nice. That was your movie for the week. The yeah. Blues Brothers. Okay. All what right. What did you see this week? I saw, well, um, I, I, I mentioned briefly when we were at um, American Film Art last week about how Amazon Prime does have porn, but you have to look for it. Uh. You have to look for it. And I, I finally watched the ending of Biology 101. Uh. So you can watch that movie for free. You the Amazon ending. Prime. The, the, yeah, the, the, yeah, the, so you had to the watch climax, the stages. The climax. So Do you remember it. how uh, with VCR porn, you would always... You know, you you could tell where someone had left off on the video because that is so funny. Do you know that what I'm is saying? so funny. Yeah, because it's not digital, so you, the spot on the tape on the cassette, right? So you can see where they stop because right. they so were satisfied. They got what they rented it. Or that something? is so funny. You, you would know learn about the previous user, right. By where they stopped watching. Yeah, that's really funny, Robert. And you could tell. Oh, this guy was really into you know into cum yeah. shots. Yeah, or this guy was really into anal or whatever that's because great. that would be right. That's where, where he stopped. stopped the movie. And what was really funny. Is do you remember renting the the old porno videos? There would be uh, previews at the beginning before the movie of you know, call services and things like that. Right, right. And sometimes 
if you'd rent a video, it would stop there. That is so <laughs> the funny. guy never even got. They got wouldn't have to get the phone numbers. They'd stop watching, so instead they can make the phone calls. I don't think it's the... make the phone calls. I, I don't think they made it. That oh, much just further. the actual ad itself it, was it so was suggestive. Just like, yeah, right. Just, okay, right. Nine seven six. Remember that prefix? Yeah. That was the prefix. Nine seven six. Nine seven six. Hottie. Nine seven six. Young girl. Nine seven. Yeah. Boy, were my phone bills expensive. <laughs> <laughs> So, in addition to Biology 101, there are two other films I, I want to mention. Yes. It was 976 Hotmail, right? That was your... Uh, yes. <laughs> All right. I saw a movie called Teenage Cocktail. Oh <laughs> Robert, gosh. I know. Listen to these titles. Was this with uh, Shyla Stiles? No, no. unfortunately. She would have been a good addition in 2006. Yeah. I want to tell you, this movie actually screened at South by Southwest... Go figure, because I Google these movies, I read about them, and it was at South by Southwest, all about cam girl operators, and I watched that, Teenage Cocktail. But, you know, besides this, and I know that you tease me because of the movies I choose to watch on Netflix and so on that are somewhat titillating, but I actually was watching a documentary, you'll find this interesting. About porn stars? About porn stars. It's about comic books. It was about uh, comic books, about Marvel in particular, and it was about Stanley and um, was it Kirby George Kirby? One was the George, yeah. and the love hate relationship between these two. Really? Yeah, it what was, was it fascinating. It was called uh, I don't know. I'm going to find out because I didn't finish it. I think a history of the comics. So a history. You of the watched comics. this in your refractory period, right? Right. <laughs> in between jerk off sessions? Yeah, yeah, just before I fell asleep. But it was an interesting documentary, and I can't wait to go home and watch the rest of it. And it really was a love hate between these two. Uh, Stan Lee was uh, was charming, uh, a good looking guy, robust, and a good speaker. People liked to hear him talk. Not true with Kirby. Not true with Kirby. Not a good-looking man, bags under his eyes, didn't dress well. Not articulate. Isn't this interesting? Huh. And uh, it didn't work at the conventions and stuff. And so there were they, there was a lot of feuding going on, love-hate. They came back together. They became friends again. But it was still awkward at best. You know, one, one thing that's really interesting, uh, to people who aren't in the film industry, one of the things that I... I remember always talking with people about is everyone wanted to know if you'd ever met a celebrity, what were they like? You know, you'd always hear that, that question. And, uh, you know, I've, I've worked with a handful of celebrities and some have impressed me. Some have uh, impressed me with how kind of gross they are and just ugh, whatever. There's two people that really struck me as being just outstandingly nice people. And Stanley is one of them. Stanley, I, I worked with him on a documentary, and he was so gracious. And I never, I mean, he didn't know who the fuck I was, but he was just really nice and laughing and, and a, a really sweet man. And that's a quality that comes across when he would speak. Yes. And he, he just seemed so considerate. And uh, I remember him, uh, we, we shot in his office uh, this documentary, and I talked to him for quite a while because we were just getting set up. And before we started shooting the the documentary we had quite a bit of time together and he was like oh, can i get you anything and he was he was serving me when it really should have been the other wow. way around wow. Do you know what i mean uh the other person incidentally that i would say that's top notch in terms of my experience i've heard some some contradictory things about him but john voight was so nice and so gracious with his time and just really sweet i see him a lot do you in the san fernando valley i spoke with him a coffee shop I used to hang out at, Twain's. Huh. I used to go there a lot. He would sit there. Really? Yeah, I went up to him. He really, it was, we had a nice exchange. So this is supporting your point, Robert. And I, I went up to him and I said, thank you 
for the last 10 minutes of coming home, uh. coming home, that which I found very affecting when he was in the wheelchair talking to high school kids and Bruce Stern was walking in the ocean to commit suicide. And right. the music that was playing and, and he smiled. He said that was a good one, wasn't it? And I said, well, you know, with Hal Ashby and Haskell Wexler behind the camera and he said, yeah, how could I go wrong with those people? And he appreciated that I made, knew those references and we shook hands and it was a genuine brief exchange. So that supports what you're saying. Yeah, he's, yeah. It, he was really nice. Yeah. Just outstandingly considerate. Oops. And I've, I've heard some, you know, I guess maybe it was more historical back in the 80s where he was more of a dick and, you know, leaving his family at yeah. home when he went to the Oscars with, other people I think he's underappreciated as an actor oh I think he's an amazing actor I think he's uh, uh, he's not really appreciated the movies he's made he's really look it goes back to deliverance and so on these movies he's he's a solid actor and I don't think that he got these um he's underappreciated yeah yeah those are my movies for the week in review all right nice all right well let's talk about murder on the orient express shall we okay Murder on the Orient Express. I don't have a ditty for the main film. Great. But I'll work on it. Okay, so Murder on the Orient Express is about uh, directed by Kenneth Branagh, starring Kenneth Branagh, who uh, plays the, 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 what's the Agatha Christie character of Hercule Perriot. Am I pronouncing that right? Perot. Perot? Per- not Perriot? Perot? Perot. <laughs> How is it again? Perot. <laughs> I like the pause before and afterwards. Anyway, uh, it's a bunch of people on a train. The train gets stopped in the middle of uh, middle of taking people across the the wilderness. <laughs> and someone dies. In fact, it's Johnny Depp's character, and uh, Perot has to figure out who did it. That's it, right? Are you just gonna say Perot again? <laughs> I think we've we've worked that one around. Yeah, so that is it's got the big twist ending, and I don't know if we want to reveal that. Oh yeah, they all yeah, did it. They all did it. That, they all did it. That's the twist yeah, ending. Yeah. So there you go. Everybody yeah. did yeah. murder. Yeah, all right. That, that was the big that was the big thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, spoiler alert. Yeah. Yeah. That was supposed to say a spoiler alert. I don't think I articulated that very well. Yeah. Yeah. So we saw this movie last night. And uh, and you talked us through it, and Robert, overall feeling first, and then we'll get into specifics. Uh, beautifully shot. This Agreed. movie looks gorgeous, which is really weird. I'm going to tip my hand early. I don't have a money shot for it. Isn't and it's so weird? interesting that I, seriously, I don't either. And it's not for that I forgot to do it, or it's not that I'm being lazy. The fact that I couldn't come up with one, I think, was very telling. It. I will remember it just for the feel of the the wood grain and the way the train looked but not one shot really stood out to me although it's filled with shot after shot after shot that's beautifully composed wonderful wonderfully lit and uh, and it just looks very very visually striking so i don't know what that means exactly is it too was it too polished well, do you remember a few weeks ago, I happened to be listening back on some of our previous podcasts for some reason, and I brought out the argument that there's such a thing as a movie being too pretty. And you said, no, that's not true. No movie can be too pretty shot. And you had one exception to your statement, and that was um, When Dreams May Come. You actually, what Dreams May what, Come? Yes. Yeah. And you said, maybe that could count as a movie that's just too beautiful, or it's almost distracting in telling the story. You did say that. So yeah, I think this might be another... I agree. 
I agree. It was beautiful to look at. My God, those tracking shots, the train that was multiple. And go ahead. I want you to finish your point. No, I want to hear more about what I said because that's pretty interesting. Oh, about what you said about, yeah. What dreams may come? Yeah. That you you mentioned. Isn't that, see? Yeah. Hey, you do listen to me and only, you just have to go back and keep listening over and over and over again until. Yeah. Well, of course, I'm listening at double speed. (laughs) I think dreams may come. I think. <laughs> Try to get through it faster. Uh, yeah, so I I do think that 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 this movie suffers from that. Uh, generally speaking, I did not like this movie, um, and I, I can't even tell you why. I I don't know why exactly. I can tell you why. And I, I was wrestling with this. I wanted to like it. I was prepared to like it. I really wanted. To I like know. This I was movie. so up for this. I was excited when you pitched the idea to me. Let's go see. Yeah, let's go see Murder on the Orient Express. And here's what it left me with late last night. Why was this movie made? Yeah. Uh, there was not a need for it. The, there was an earlier version, and we were talking about this after the movie last night, Robert, the one that was made in... Um, the 1970s? Yeah. And it, too, was an all-star cast. And, um, and I was looking for my notes here about who directed it. Uh, um, Dog Day Afternoon. Come on. What's his name? Oh, yeah. the guy... He didn't do Straw Dogs as yeah, well? Yeah, he, he did... Uh, so, um, Gosh, this really bothers me. That's okay, I'll find it. Go ahead, keep going. Okay. Oh, here we go. I just, this is what, you can stop looking now. You can stop looking now. All right. Okay. Albert Finney, but listen to all these people who are in it. Lauren Bacall, Ingrid Bergman, Sean Connery, John Gilgood, Vanessa Redgrave, Michael York, uh, Anthony Perkins, uh, Jacqueline Bissett. All these people were in the 1974, (laughs) were in the 1974 film. And, um, and I, I, it was a retelling of the same story with the same smart twist ending, but it left me with a feeling of beautifully shot, but so what? Sidney Lumet, that's it, Robert. Ah. Sidney Lumet, who did 12 Angry Men, the original 12 Angry Men, as well as, you know, Dog Day. I think he did Serpico, right? I think he shot Serpico as well. And that was an all-star blockbuster film that got rave reviews in 1974. Here it is, Robert, and I was really thinking about this. There was no need to make this movie. That's, That's what I think. I think you might be right here. I think uh, uh, part of the problem that I had, and I, I hate this argument because I hear people saying it all the time, but I, I felt like this film was trying to get me to feel for the character of Daisy. Daisy is the... All of the people on the train are angry with Johnny Depp's character because he was evil in some way to Daisy. They all had their different reasons, right? Am I wrong in saying mm, that? You're right, you're right. I never saw Daisy. We didn't know who Daisy was yeah. until four fifths of the way through the movie. So it was kind of like, uh, well, I don't, I don't care about Daisy, and I don't like that because I, I feel like usually that's a cop out when you're saying I don't care about this character, and I, I guess I, I don't know that you need to care about a character in order for it to work. But the fact that they're, they all care about this character, and that's why they're murdering someone. They all, however many was it, twelve of them, twelve, or whatever, I think twelve. They all conspire together to murder another human being for the sake of this other girl, but yet we never really get to see her or understand her or, or know much about her, it doesn't it doesn't pull me in. Mm-hmm. And that might be a problem with the Agatha Christie novel itself. I don't know, but... Uh, yeah, it just... It, it, I can't really point to any one thing that was wrong here, but it just didn't work for me. What a cat. We should mention that uh, Penelope Cruz was it, William Defoe, Judy Dench, Johnny Depp. I mean, what an all-star cast. Uh, Kenneth, Kenneth Branagh, of course, was Perot. 
What if, I, what if I pronounce it wrong and I've said it like 12 times? You probably this are. I probably am. And he directed it too. I think the movie, here it comes, was self-consciously too pretty. That's it. Was self-consciously too pretty. And if we can make that statement that there's such a thing as cinematography in a film that's too good, this would fall in that category. It would fall in that category. There were gorgeous shots. There were also some peculiar anger angles where the camera was looking down yeah. on that one exchange and we saw the top of their heads. It was an odd shot. It was It was... Kind of you a, don't like over-the-head shots. Well, but this was literally... I mean, this was high up looking down on them talking. And it was just... I think it was self-conscious trying to be artsy. That's what I thought. Huh. Self-consciously trying to be artsy. I thought it was kind of interesting. But I forgot about it until you mentioned it just now. Yeah. When yeah. it was happening, I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. But yeah. I, can, I can understand your point. Yeah. So that's my feeling. I like the music, too. I was aware of the music and I was enjoying the music and we're kind of saying the same thing here but the cinematography was gorgeous perhaps too gorgeous and it left me feeling empty I feel I like, didn't care about the I, yeah I just didn't care there was care. no texturing of the characters we didn't I love a good mystery yeah. I love a good mystery I just didn't care about this one and I don't I think part of part of it too and I understand that this is definitely not Kenneth Branagh's fault it's Agatha Christie's fault Everybody did it. It's kind of a cop out. Is it? I it's, thought it's it was a non-answer. It's, it's like it's saying a, it's, no one did it. Yeah, it's like, it's like uh, that. all yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, to me, and I, I know that you you told me privately before when you, when you watched the movie in the seventies that that really it, made I an thought it was kind of cool. I was younger, and it was in the early to mid seventies. But I thought, okay, that's kind of clever. I did. Yeah, well, we're kind of and I and I can appreciate that. Yeah, but to me, I feel like. Uh, who fucking did it? You yeah. know, like, well, yeah. let's do... Yeah. Movies like Clue, which I think would fit spiritually with this one, uh, same kind of lightheartedness, but there's also a mystery going on set in kind of the same era. I mean, I think this movie is set a little, little bit like the 30s, and I think Clue is set in like the 50s. But uh, still, I think Clue does it better. There's an answer. It's, right. here's who did it. You must feel it's a cop-out. Yeah. Right. Right. Now... What Clue did that I kind of like is they said it's not just one person; it is multiple people. But it depends on which ending you saw. Right, and that's kind of right. clever. I'm like, right. well, I can right. dig that. I right. think that's that's interesting. But they're always giving you an answer, even if it's a different answer. No matter which time you play, I mean, meaning watch the watch movie. It. Yeah, yeah. By the way, Armstrong, the character Armstrong, was modeled after um, Lindbergh. Yeah, uh, uh, you knew that. Did you know? That? Uh, yeah, yeah, I could tell. Oh, yeah, yeah I didn't the, know that, but I could yes, tell. yeah. Uh, the pilot and wealthy, having a child, the kidnapping case. Right. So it was actually patterned after that. You already knew that. I didn't know that, but oh, I, but I you, could, but I you saw the it. parallel. Yeah, yeah. Um, left me empty. Left me empty. Great shots of that train. We had some good panning shots, seeing the interior. There were some tracking shots, you know, with the steady cam going through all the compartments. And all. We had all that, and I appreciate that look. And from the exterior of the train going by, and we saw the faces, a lot of that. Um, but that does not a good movie make. It's weird that, uh, you know, we were talking about films before. Uh, we, we talked about Bellflower yesterday. Uh, and I was mentioning, I said, I, I think Bellflower is kind of like a punk song. There's a lot of problems with it. There's um, there's there's a lot of issues with Bellflower that should technically make it, that should disqualify it from being a good film. And yet somehow it still powers through. It's like there's a spirit behind it. There's an emotional wallop to that film that it, the, the lack of polish works for it. Right, 
raw and gritty. And this almost the, feels like a pop song. Yeah. You know, it, there's no there's no soul left in it. And here you go. Bellflower belongs in our new anti-wave podcast. For sure. And without doubt, 100% Murder on the Orient Express does not. Yeah. We will not review that a movie like that and i was really kind of hoping that it would i know i was hoping i know it would have that kind no of... it was a very disappointing film but again i kept driving home thinking about actually you were driving why was this movie made why was this made what was the audience it was appealing to yeah 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 mm. interesting yeah that's all i have to say and no money shot not from the fact i forgot not because i'm lazy the fact i couldn't come up with one says something So what kind of rating would we give this film? Are we going to use letters or thumbs? Yeah, let's do or... letters. Let's use how many dicks. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to go, but because of the music and the cinematography, and there's an argument to be said, I guess, for getting a host of a bunch of A actors, I guess. I'm not going to go into the F or D category. I won't do that. And you have always espoused the philosophy that people worked hard to make this movie and it's got to have some merit. But I am going to go to a... Um, a C, I think a solid C. I think that's what I got to do as well. And you know, for me, that's that's pretty low for me because I I like films so much. I tend to almost always give them A's or B's, and I feel bad giving it a C because I don't really have a good reason to give it a C other than just it just didn't grab me. Um, I I, I would feel better at least giving it a B minus, but I feel like that's. No. dishonest and yeah. I don't know why so uh, take from that what you will but I, I, I'm i not in a hurry to ever see this movie again no, you'll would, never see it again yeah you I, won't I, if it ever came on I'd be like uh, I don't need to see this no so there you go there we go we agree and it's very hmm. that's a very strange phenomenon to have all of these things working I mean was the acting bad I didn't feel like it was acting was okay. people did their job right it was the script it was the stories. There's no texturing. I didn't care. But it's a classic story. I know it is. So I wonder you, how faithful it was to the novel as far as dialogue. I wonder how accurate. I don't know. That's a good question. But um, do you get a little bit bored? Yes. I got restless. You yeah. could t- You know my body language very yeah. well. And you probably saw me shifting a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I was looking forward to it ending already. Yeah. I want to say, all right, let's, you didn't know the big shot, but I thought, all right, let's see the, the multi-stabbings with them all in the room. Let's do this already so I can go home. Um, At the beginning, I was I was so. The hopeful. setup was fun. Yeah, the setup. And then once I got on the train, no, I was like, the se- yeah, prior to the train, I was, all right, this is going to be fun. This is going to work, isn't it? And that it was just my slowly and started then it just kind of dragging. fell apart and dragged. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Odd. Anyway, all right. All that. right. Hey, let's talk about our favorite murder movies. Let's. And now wipe off that frown as we present our countdown. We ain't joshing. This ain't no jive. Time to give a listen to our top five. Told you I wasn't going to do it. Fuck, I forgot. (laughs) The way you said that in such a cavalier way. Take this. Take this. It's the very bottom. No, I'm begging you. Robert, you know me. The guilt is going to be enormous. And I want you to edit me out. Okay. No, you're not. Here here we go. Oh, man. You hear that? He just rumbled. Robert. That's all the poems. That's all the ditties. I was crying. I first of all, I apologize because I wanted you to read it. And number two, you know, people like my ditties. 
<laughs> no one likes your goodies. Are you? You're, that's gonna be the same crumpled piece of paper you're gonna bring back here. Next you know week. me too well. It's gonna be in my folder. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I, All right. You know what's interesting, Robert? Yeah. Usually, I have to spend a couple of minutes talking about defining our words in the top five. This time, I didn't have to define and talk about what does this really mean. But I do want to say that I suppose murders, um, killing someone other than self-defense. Are you comfortable with that? Other than self-defense? Yes. Now, I do have a question. Uh-huh. And I did not, I don't think I took advantage of this, but would we count murder by something other than a human? You're sounding like me right now. This is so Ira. It's but I. It's contagious. That's something I would ask, and I've answered that question as you will see. Okay. Well, yeah. What's your number five? Which is kind of implying that they're not all. I know. I yeah. know. Let's do all it. right. Am I going first? Number five. Number five. Our favorite top five favorite movie murderer murders. Mm-hmm. Number five in Glorious Bastards. Oh, what a, Hitler! What a what a scene! Not just Hitler, but a room filled with fucking Nazis. Yeah, in the in the theater. This is two thousand five already. Uh, Quentin Tarantino in the theater, and the fact that it was filmed nitrate. You yeah. know, that's very flammable. Right. It just added, I think, another layer of, of enjoyment for the whole thing. The fact they were all Nazis, the way that was done on the, the black and white movie they were watching about, you're about to die at the hands of Jews, and that comes on the screen. Right. And um, somebody said in a review years ago, and it stayed with me, that the climax of this was Tarantino's wet dream. Yeah. It was said, I love that. I think that's largely true. Killing Hitler, but not just Hitler, but a whole bunch of fucking Nazis in a theater. Tarantino's wet dream. You know what's really funny? My number five is also a Tarantino film. And it strikes me as you're saying this that he has some really good deaths. I, I would argue it's hard to beat some of Tarantino's deaths. But I mean, when you look at Kill Bill, uh, you know, all of the deaths in Kill Bill, even Killing Bill was a great death. Yeah. You know, it's set up very well. And um, uh, most of his movies have a really good death. But for me, for my take, that there is no death that is better than shooting Marvin in the face from Pulp Fiction in 1994. When Marvin gets shot, oh my gosh, that movie just, it, it came out of nowhere and the entire audience would just burst into laughter. And uh, that was a good one. So for me, it'd be 1994's Pulp Fiction. Interesting we both picked Tarantino films yeah. for our fifth. As you were saying, I'm going, well, yeah, I'm yeah. kind of running through all of the deaths yeah, of Tarantino yeah, films. yeah. Has he made a movie where somebody hasn't died? I can't think of one. Oh, well, I guess we talked about Four Rooms last last week, and he did do he directed the last one, and somebody got their pinky chopped off, but that was it. It's close, but not death. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. All right. Number four, this is going to answer your question about must they be human. And this is me thinking different, out of the box. I had to throw one of these in, that I think uh, you can murder someone that someone does not necessarily have to be human. I mentioned this in a previous one in a top five, but it was before, well, go ahead. All right, fuck it, we're going to do it anyway. 1956, it was a Disney film. I'm going back to Old Yeller. When when the boy kills his dog, the dog has rat rabies, it's rabid. A rabid dog, and it was Tommy Kirk. Fess Parker was the dad, and he had to kill his own dog. He murdered his dog, but he was morally doing the right thing. It was a powerful moment for me. I was 10 years old when I saw that with my mom and dad in the theater, and uh, I put that down as number four. All right. Are my, you are you comfortable with that? Yeah, I'm okay with that. Are you? I'll give you You're that. You're not one. giving me a hard time. Huh, that's okay. all right. What I was honestly thinking of is, is it murder when 
like an alien kills somebody or uh, from Beetlejuice when the oh. dog is sitting on the on the back of the the car and then hops off the the board and the car falls into the lake and they die right right that's a good question or when the alien is killing people well then you can open this up and say what about a war movie what about a war movie when they're in combat i almost had a that's war movie mur- on here. that's murder isn't I mean, it I- that's a great question is that murder would that fall in the definition i would say yes now I thought about it too, and I don't have it on here because I've talked about it too much. But Full Metal Jacket, the mu- murder from Full Metal Jacket, where he murders the uh, the drill instructor, where Private Joker murders Gunnery Sergeant, and that to me is that's a definite murder, right? Because that's not even war; that's training for war. Right, right. But even at the end, when he has to, uh, and not private, it was Private Pile that kills Gunnery Sergeant, but the. Uh, Private Joker, at the end, he has to murder for the first time. He has to murder the the woman sniper, the female sniper. And that, I, I think, definitely says, yes, war is murder. So I would say, yeah. Interesting. All right. You okay. ready for my number four? Yeah, number four, please. My number four is a movie from 1987. And I have the exact death in this movie that um, that is is my favorite. And even though it involves a guy who only mostly dies there is another character who dies completely and this is princess bride from 1987 and uh Vizzini, when he dies he's the italian who's uh you know a, a sicilian actually up on the top and he drinks the poison and i remember seeing that movie in the theater with my mom and uh just dying laughing over that scene, pardon the pun, dying laughing. But that that scene, the dialogue was so rapid fire and so uh, just well well crafted that I, I didn't know who these actors were, but it really made a big big mark on me even at a young age. I think it was eight when I saw that. You were eight years old? Yeah. And I saw it on a date. Huh. What was his name? <laughs> That's a good one. Yep. Not your joke just now, but the movie selection. Oh, the joke was pretty was good, too. That was a good one. All right, what's your number three? Okay, my number three. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. The moment when um, Milos Foreman, 1975, nice. and the chief, chief, the Indian, uh, smothering McMurphy, um, Jack Nicholson, and it was um, it, it was an example of, um, of euthanasia, of mercy killing. And... Um, uh, Jack Nicholson's character had lobotomy. We saw the scars on the forehead and so on. And the Indian takes a pillow and smothers him. Right. Perfect example of mercy killing, doing the noble right thing. You can make that argument. And right after that, of course, he picks up that, that thing, that fountain in the bathroom, smashes through the window and just runs off. But that death scene was really was really powerful. Yeah. And it was a murder. But again, we could argue, did he do the right thing? Mercy killing, euthanasia, and so on. It was a real powerful moment in a powerful movie. You know, I haven't seen the movie in so long, and I remember it very clearly. And uh, that's a really good movie. It's a very good movie. It's a very good movie. Yeah, watch it again. Yeah. Watch watch it again. It's been a little while. Yeah. It's probably time. Yeah. All right. My number three is a movie I don't think we've talked about. I, I doubt you've seen, uh, but it's a really good one. And it's one of these movies that... I know other people are. I, I know other people don't like, uh, and I don't know why because I feel like it's actually pretty well crafted. But it's a movie from nineteen. I'm sorry, from two thousand seven with Kevin Costner and um, oh, what's his name, the comedian, stand-up comedian. Anyway, it's a movie called Mr. Brooks. Did you see Mr. Brooks? No, no. Uh, Kevin Costner plays the plays a 
a serial killer, but he's very respectable and uh, he's a business tycoon. And uh, oh, who's the fucking comedian? Uh, the comedian that everybody hates. Gilbert Gottfried. Everybody loves Gilbert Gottfried. It's a love hate thing with him. Yeah, that might be true. He's a comedian everyone hates. Yeah, Dane Cook. Dane oh, Cook. yeah. Dane Cook plays yeah. a photographer who winds up. <laughs> Gilbert Gottfried. Uh, he sees Kevin Costner. He's he is kind of stalking Kevin Costner and finds out that Kevin Costner is this killer. Takes his picture, has proof that Costner is the killer, and blackmails him to be taught how to murder effectively. And so Kevin Costner is kind of forced into taking Dane Cook along with these murders. And uh, it's a really great film, and I don't want to ruin it because there's some deaths later on in the film that are really good, and it's one of the few times that I will preserve the spoiler. But Dane Cook. Yeah. I mean, I don't think of him as an actor. But he's he's been in a lot of stuff. He has been in a lot of films? Yeah, I mean, it's usually not very well received, but he's been in quite a few films. Yeah, there you go. Mr. Brooks. Mr. Brooks. Number two. Yeah. Now, when you said, when we said murder movies, that's the first one that came to mind. Really? Yeah. I'm sorry, my top three are the first ones that came to mind. Got it. So that's what I went with. I could have probably found better ones, but I went with honesty here. I like that. I think that's better to go with honesty. Hey, do you think we're going to have any overlap? I think we might overlap. On the number one. Uh, Number one. Your number one is going to be my number two. I think you're right. Okay, go ahead. It's not. I think what you just said is right. All right. Let's yeah, see what the, you got. my number one will be your number two. I agree with that. Okay. Let's find out. My number two of mice and men. Oh, nice. Of mice Ira. and men. Thank you. Nice. Thank you. Cool. I was real proud that when I came. You know, mice and men has been filmed three times. There was a 1939 version with Burgess Meredith. There was that Twilight. That's Lon Chaney Jr. Mm. Burgess Meredith, obviously black and white. Um, it's it, it was a classic, and it's something worth your seeing. And 1992 with Gary Sinise yeah, and uh, John Malkovich. It was a highly regarded film. It won a lot of a lot of um, awards at film festivals. And uh, and there was also a TV movie in 1981 with um, with Robert Robert Blake, Robert Blake, huh. and. Um, I never saw that. Yeah, I, I did because I used to show it to my students when um, when I, I used to teach the uh, the novel. Randy Randy Quaid was in it with Robert Blake. But that whole thing with George and Lenny, George, yeah. George, you're going to tell me about the rabbits, George? Yeah. And when Lenny does shoot George, the mob, and he accidentally murders, he strangles the pretty girl, and the mob right. is going to rip him to shreds. And again, mercy killing, euthanasia, morally doing the right thing to he murder He tells him to someone. look out at the sunset. Right? Yes, Yes, tell me again about the rabbits, George. Tell me about the living off the fat of the land, George. That's right, that's right. We're going to live off the fat. I can see it, George. I can, as he picks up the, I think it was a luger, it yeah. just blows his brains out at the end. I think, again, posing the question, is that the right thing to do? You can make the argument that it's the morally right thing to do, whereas this, this sweet man, instead of being lynched by a mob, uh, ends his life quickly that way without too much pain or suffering it's real quick and it was a real powerful ending i saw all three film versions uh of mice which one and is Men. your favorite yeah i i think the the second film not the tv but then the one with gary sinise and john yeah, that malkovich was, that was the better one yeah i think it was the best one i mean look who we have there with, with john malkovich gary sinise 1992 it was highly regarded i don't know how it did in the box office in 1992 i don't know but you know there's another film that came out in 92 that was that was also based on a literary classic that's really good. Uh, yeah, you're comparing Lord, Lord of the Flies. 
Did you see the Lord of the Flies? I sure did. Now the remake. Y- y- the did new, you? It was like y- early nineties. Yes. Like, did you like the remake? I loved it. You didn't? We talked a little bit about this. There were a lot of Star Wars references, and they were using lightsabers. It was they were making it more maybe, but pop culture ish. Yeah. I still embrace the original film version. The 54 version? Yes, and isn't this interesting that these two films we're mentioning also tie in with Murder on the Orient Express? Yeah. Based on a novel, two film versions. Yeah. I like when we set up these themes. Yeah, you like the remake of Lord of the Flies. I remember there was a conversation about Alf, and it, to me, it just, as a, as oh, a kid watching you like it. those references. I liked pop it culture. because it made, made, made me it more feel. Real. Yeah, it made it, made more, it real. more real. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Of Mice and Men, classic story, Steinbeck, and um, that's my number two. All right. Your number My number two. two well, which think you think is going to be... One. I think that is going to be number one. All right. I think it has to be... If it's not, to, it's going to be if, interesting. I know. I know. I think and, it has to be. And I, I'm willing I know to what bet you're going to say. You're going to say, how could it not be? Robert, <laughs> you're reading my... That's what I was going to say for my... How could it not be? Yeah. I'm, I'm now 87% convinced we're going to say right, the same one. On, let's try this. Wait, how many words... Is your, how many words are in this title? One. Me too. Is your film color or black and white? I can obviously which which version, but I'm going to say the one that you're thinking of, the masterpiece, black and white. <laughs> okay, I got one for you. In yeah. this one word, the letter it starts with is not the sound of the word. The letter is different from the sound of the one word title. Well, my my number two begins with the letter, letter. psycho. Yeah. yeah, starting with a P and a different sound of S. Right. Yeah. So that you're you're right. We're right. Go. And if that's your number two, I can't wait to hear your number one. Go. Psycho. How could you not, not talk about Psycho? That is one of the, if not the best on-screen murder. Then if it's the best, why isn't it your number one? There, I, Personally, there's one that I like more. It's a great answer. All right. Perfect Th- that's answer. It. That's, that's the perfect only reason answer. I have. Um, it's great. It's fantastic. That film and that sequence hold up so well because not only is it um, not only is it visceral in its emotion and it's, it's, it's eliciting that emotion out of your audience, it also uh, it holds up to like, film critics and it holds up to you know, horror critics. It holds up to, to everybody who watches this film, whether you are a student of film or whether you're just enjoying a, an old black and white film. No matter what way you look at it, it is fantastically put together. It tells the story it... Uh, it's it's iconic with the music and the shots, the blood swirling, the the curtain being ripped down, Janet Lee spilling blood all over the the which I think famously was kept was chocolate syrup, right? That's right, right. So that whole sequence is just masterful. Right, right, right. What do you want to say? I'm assuming this is your number one, right? Uh, of course, this is my number. I can't wait to hear your number one. I can I so I have no idea what your number one is. And I love. By the way, I'm enjoying this a lot. This yeah. is this is a good one with our murder movies. Psycho. I, I knew when I put it on my list. I was like, I was going to have this it, on. It had I, to be. A, yeah. How could it not be our number? 1960, like Robert was saying, Alfred Hitchcock and so on. Uh, I want to say that the screenplay. I should have gone for the Vince Vaughn or the. Yeah, well, that's Vince funny when you said color. Yeah. The, oh no, the remake was definitely classic. <laughs> that would be very do that with a straight face. Joseph Stefano wrote the screenplay, and we were talking earlier about the original Outer Limits. He wrote and or produced many of them mm. and the classic outer limits episodes Is that interesting yeah. same the same writer but like robert you were you were just saying of the, the obviously the bernard Herrmann music and the rapid fire shots and 
is it what each shot is whether it's a third of a second a half a rapid fire and the different angles i still remember that one shot looking up at the water spray wondering how they got that shot we see the water coming down we're looking at the shower head yeah and didn't the camera get wet but i was what you know just a rapid fire rapid fire and what's the last one that we're on her eye and the camera pulls away from her where we see her body and it's just it's just masterfully done and so much has been written about not just the shots but the 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 music the sound he wanted i think it was watermelon didn't they stab until they finally got the right shot everything came together how can that not be my number one best murder movie it's like the shots were stabbing you that's what it yeah. felt like. Yeah, each you're right. You're right. Was a it stab. was that visceral. Yeah. It was that visceral where each shot, meaning each angle, was a stab. And so carefully orchestrated as well. And if it just it all came together and it wouldn't stop. That was part of the problem too. Yeah. That was part of the problem or part of the genius, right? Part of well, the problem as uh, the uh, audience uh, as, as the, uh, uh, watching the audience of like right, ah, right. That was stop, 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 yeah. stop, 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 yeah. stop. And it yeah. won't stop. It just kept going. It's great. That's my number one, okay. Robert. I'm, I'm, I have no idea how you're going to top this. It's a movie I don't think you've seen. Yes. So, and I've talked about it before. I think on this podcast. I think it might have been on one of my top fives. But fuck it, I'm doing yeah, it we're anyway. Not do, we don't care about that. It's the number one death in film for me. Is the beginning of the movie Irreversible, and Irreversible is a story told backwards. Uh, it's from 2002. It's a French film. And it begins with two guys who are going through a sex club trying to find somebody. They keep grabbing people. It's like a, uh, a, a kind of a gay sex club. And they're running through. And they're like, where's, uh, I can't remember, Steve, so-and-so or whatever. They're looking for this guy. And they're like, I don't know, I don't, down here. They keep going through, trying to find him, trying to find him, trying to find him. And they finally find the guy. And they grab him. And they pick up a, a fire extinguisher. And they literally bash his head in with this fire extinguisher. And it is so graphic and in your face. And what's really interesting is if you watch it in the background, there's a guy who's like, there's it's a whole crowd of people who are watching this murder take place. And uh, there's one guy in the background who's watching it happen and he's watching with sadistic pleasure. If you watch the movie, that's the guy that they're looking for. And you don't know it unless you watch the film again. Because got it. you kind of got think it. they got him. Yeah. But it's not him, and it that it's really one of these things that, uh, upon the second viewing, you realize, oh, get it, shit. I get it, I get it. Wow, wow. Because it's told backwards, yeah. and you don't realize who that guy is. Yeah. And then once you, you kind of find out, you think, oh, maybe it was that guy from the big, very beginning. It's not. And his face is mangled in this. Uh, it, they, I think they did some early CG stuff that it just it looks so great. His face just gets caved in. So, for me... Irreversible. Yeah. You should definitely check out Irreversible. Yeah? Yeah, I should. Now, I will tell you, it's probably the most disturbing film I've seen. And it's definitely a film that you cannot unwatch. It will... You're going to... It's going to burn its way into your head. There's definitely some stuff in there that... uh, It's rough. So... I'm up for that. Check it out. Yeah. Cool. All right. This is good. By the way, I have no scoops... No? I have no... You do. You do. You have a few, don't you? I have a few, but before we get to scoops, there is one thing that I want to talk about. Something that just came up over the news while we've been recording this podcast. This story just broke on The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, Tom Sizemore 
was removed from a film for allegedly violating an 11-year-old girl. So we've been talking a lot about some of these sexual allegations, and even more are coming out. Uh, and I, I don't know how I feel about even reporting some of this stuff. We've been talking about it so much. Uh, and I guess we're not breaking the story, so I guess, I, I don't know, but the accusations feel... Uh, if it's it's rough that we're automatically just assuming they did guilt, it. Guilt, right? Guilt, guilt, and we spoke about this at length in the other podcast uh, yesterday. The Iconoblast right, podcast, right? And uh, I think it's a scary time, not just because of what's going on with the uh, molestation charges, but because of the um, the um, based on hearsay on on words. I saw you did it and again. I mentioned this at length in yesterday's other podcast and about having taught the crucible and it's pointing a finger it's pointing a finger i saw john proctor it's words it's hearsay it's probably true but the point is it didn't go through a court of law these people were not found guilty then they should be punished but right now it's just words and the fact he's already been removed from a project he's already been removed from a project do you think though i mean just to, to kind of balance this he's removed from the project but if if they know and they have evidence that that's being done, don't they have a responsibility to remove that's him from the project? That's an I like your argument more about for economic reasons that people might boycott the film, that might lose money. So it's a smart business move to remove that person from the project. But that's a good argument that you just made. If they have the hard evidence, even if it didn't yet go through a court of law, aren't they doing the right thing? I mean, to keep him employed and keep him on board would, I think, make them liable. I think the problem that we have, the problem that I had with all of this was Harvey Weinstein, Harvey Weinstein being kicked out of a club. You know what I mean? Like he, that that wasn't a business decision, and no one was looking to the academy to say, "Hey, you need to kick him out." The producers' division of the academy. He's been ousted from that. It'd be great if he came back and won an like an acting award or something. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So yeah, I. And, and again, it goes back, well, and I, uh, forgive me if I'm sounding a little bit redundant to you because of what we spoke about yesterday, but the, um, the separation of artists from, from the person. And we spoke about lots of things, whether it's Roman Polanski or Woody Allen and so on, but Harvey has not yet been found guilty. He's a pig. He probably did it. He's a pig, but before a court of law, and I, I want to extend my argument and say, let's just say he's even found guilty. Do you have a right to be a horn dog and still be a good producer? That's what I'm asking you. Even if he's found guilty, can't he still function as a producer? Look at all the movies he's given us as, as Miramax, taking these gems and bringing it into mainstream theaters where we could watch them and enjoy them. As a producer, he was quite wonderful decades ago. And to be stripped of that, even if he's guilty, does one? can we separate those two worlds? The artist and the person. Well, Should we separate those two worlds? What also I think is interesting, and I, I, I don't know, I don't have the answer to that yeah, question. Yeah. But on top of that, to further complicate things, I think what's interesting here is that the media is focusing on these kinds of stories. We're hearing more and more. I mean, literally every day somebody comes out with, uh, if not every day, every other day, there's a new person being added to this list of, this this person has molested or violated or sexually assaulted or something along those lines. And is this a reaction to Trump in office with pussy power? Is it? I think it might I, be. I think there's a... 
causal I, relationship. It, I do. It, I think so. I think the the problem though is that it's not just limited to men. I mean, there's Good point. there are women Good that point. are being called Good out, point. and there are men. There's male on male. Uh, you know, and, and Kevin Spacey. That's what's fascinating to me is that this isn't doesn't seem to be politically motivated, and that's what's fascinating. It's uh, you know, Kevin Spacey is gay, and he's sexually assaulting other gay men. So you start to remove a lot of the political, uh, the, the political. I guess what am I trying to say? Um, the the anger behind it, and now you can actually get to the truth. Of uh, is that really what we're trying to do? Are we really trying to clean house? Because and, and the fact that you're focusing on Kevin Spacey, Harvey Weinstein, very powerful left leaning people, and these are left leaning um, newspapers that are focusing on getting these people out of the industry. That to me seems a little more sincere, and I kind of I'm more intrigued now, more interested because it's not focusing on uh, people who disagree politically with them. Right, right, right. That's a good point. So I don't know. I, to me, I, I'm, I'm a lot more interested in it. But we're also being spoon-fed this from Hollywood Reporter, from Fox News, from MSNBC, CNN, all of these uh, variety these these publications that are choosing to focus on this storyline. They're looking for this. I said this on the podcast, uh, on Coop's podcast, the Iconoblast podcast yesterday. Uh, every once in a while, you'll hear a story about uh, you know uh, dog bites and. Uh, you know, pit bull attacks, and that's all you'll hear about. And then it'll turn into you know some other story about I, I don't know, like North Korea. That for a while this summer, that's all we talked about was North Korea, North Korea, North Korea, and we just felt like the nuclear attack was going to happen any day now, and then it just kind of stops. And then for a while, it's shark attacks. It's we're getting we're getting eaten alive by sharks, and then it stops, and then it just moves on to a different kind of story. And right now, the the way the stories are flowing is sexual perversion in Hollywood. It's really interesting. It sells. It sells. Yeah. Because it's interesting. It's interesting and it sells. Yeah. Yeah. It's more fun than a car chase. <laughs> well, that's what people like to hear about. Yeah. Interesting times, Robert. Wow. This is good. Yeah. Yeah, hey, we did it. We we did it. I hope our listeners find us after this. Me too. Yeah. If they do find us, they can shoot us an email to robert at antiwavepodcast.com or... And slash or ira at antiwavepodcast.com. <laughs> wow. Well, We've you, never you said that, that before. Up. Yeah. Nice. Woo. Uh, or you can find us on Twitter, which should be antiwavepod.com. At Antiwave Pod or Instagram, which is at Antiwave Podcast. And can that be with or without the dash? Are those set up either way as well? No, there's no. If you do a dash, it ruins the uh, like tags and, and and things like that. So dashes are punctuation that that stop it. So okay, I, I'm not sure for handles, but no, ours does not have a handle. Okay, it's just Antiwave. Got it. Good. All right. Uh, so yeah. So and, and we should be able to be heard. You can always find us at Money Shot, and uh, and we're we're gonna also point the domain name. So if you go to MoneyShotPodcast.net, it will now point to AntiWavePodcast.com. So got it. Uh, so that's gonna carry over as well. All right. So we've got Instagram. We talked about Twitter, and we're we're all over the place, aren't we, Robert? We are. We're we're iTunes and and Stitcher and Google Play. Go to our website. 
the new one. And if you accidentally go the old one, you'll be redirected. Yeah, that's it. And tell a friend. That's the most important part. Uh, So find us, follow us, and uh, let's stay together, friends. Let's stay together. We've done 50 episodes together. 50. 50. Congratulations, Let's let's make it another 50. Let's another 50? Well, if you live that long. I was just going to say that. I should live so long. And if not, you know. And if not, yeah, you'll bring up Rocio. Yeah. (laughs) All right. You and I have been together way too much. Way too much. All right. Well, uh, that's pretty much it. That's it. All right. We did it. And also, you know what else? You can watch our film 30 Love on Amazon, streaming on Amazon streaming on Amazon Prime. Now, that has a dash. Yes. That does have a dash. <laughs> yes. Uh, you can also check it it's out on, on, uh, it's on uh, Google Play. Google Play, and it's also on a YouTube rental. Yep. So and it. soon, it's going to be rolled out on iTunes. That's correct. The beginning of the year. And I think Vudu as well. So yes. There's a bunch, yes. Of, bunch of different formats that it'll yeah. come out on. And it's going to be released on disc as well. So if you want one of those, you can go over to 30love.com and buy a disc and find it any way that you can. And write a review for it if you don't mind. Okay, yes. so until next time, keep watching movies. And we'll help you sort them out. Hello.